What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westrom. I'm joined by Nicole Yang and Chris Grenham. Danny Ainge is out as Celtics president of basketball operations. Brad Stevens is in. And the Celtics are now conducting a search for a new basketball coach. Holy shit, right? Like this <laughs> kind of shocked me this morning. Nicole and I were just talking before we started recording. I don't think the Ainge news, like initially it was brought up like Ainge is considering stepping back. And then very shortly after it all hit the accelerator really quickly. The Brad Stevens portion of this just threw me for an absolute loop. Like I had no expectation that he was going to be the one to step up when Danny Ainge ultimately leaves the organization. I, I am still pretty shocked by that. I don't necessarily necessarily think it's a bad decision which we'll get into but that is the portion of this that I was like what the fuck that really 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 surprised me the Ainge news alone, I think people could see coming ever since the second heart attack two seasons ago during the 2019 playoffs. I don't know if anybody anticipated it would be this soon, but you sort of could tell that the end was coming for Danny. It would be on his own terms. I don't think the team, because of the results of the season, were like, hey, I think it's time. I do think Danny came to this decision on his own, but like, yeah, Danny stepping away is not surprising. It was the second piece of news, Brad Stevens becoming the GM that just I think shocked everyone and I mean at first we weren't even sure if it was going to be like a Bill Belichick Doc Rivers situation where he owns both coaching and personnel moves which I think would have been an absolute disaster so I am glad that he is transitioning to a completely new role and they're going to hire a separate head coach but I I don't even know where to start with the thoughts like Grenham said we were talking about it before we started recording and it's just like the process is really confusing here to me the end result I can justify like Brad values his family so much his children are growing up I mean his son is a teenager and his daughter sort of reaching that like preteen age I'm sure he wants to be home with them more often he's been open about how trying that 2018-19 season was on him and I feel like it really shook him and he's never really returned with that same like vigor if that makes sense maybe I'm being overdramatic because we also had a, a COVID season but I just feel like I could see why Brad would want to move out of coaching so I feel like this isn't what happened but like after listening to them and sort of just my own interpretation it really seems like Wick, Pags, and Danny gathered in a room and Danny was like all right like I think this is it for me and they're like well no Danny like you think you can give it one more try and he's like no and they're like all right how about Brad I, I have yet to wrap my head around this decision to make Brad the GM Brad, like, I think you're right that, like, they probably weren't considering Brad. Like, that's even kind of what Wick suggested in his press conference. You know, he said, you know, hey, hey Brad, you know, we're, we're going to kind of go through some of the names and, hey, maybe you want to put your name in there, too. So it, it does sound like they didn't, like, necessarily consider Brad for this job. And I'm sure, like, they just signed him to a six-year deal to be the, the head coach. I mean, honestly, I think what this probably is in part is the franchise being like, we really like this guy to the point that we really, really trust him. We know that he has kind of the Celtics vision in mind because he's been with the franchise for however long. 
maybe this is just kind of a, a way to shake things up a little bit. You know, they wanted a successor to Danny who kind of could continue Danny's vision. Brad has been working hand in hand with the front office pretty much his entire time in Boston. And, and you know, it just kind of came up. <laughs> like, I, I know that's like a strange way of looking at it, but it, it's certainly not the first coach to ever go from coaching to front office work. I think there is a, a logical progression there. I, no, I can see it in retrospect, but I also think like you have Mike Zarin, a qualified, very qualified candidate. Now, I don't know if Mike Zarin is interested. Like Mike Zarin's the busiest man on earth, but I know he likes to keep a very low profile and doesn't like the attention. So maybe he's perfectly content with his current role. But like the Sixers pursued Zarin when they were hiring for a GM. Like I think he was always viewed as Danny's natural successor. So it just is strange to me that they would overlook him. I don't know. I just, the process just confuses me. I think the Celtics realized at some point, whether this was before or after Danny Ainge's told Wick and Pags, you know, I'm done. I think they realized that this front office needed to change in one way, shape or form. And promoting Mike Zarin does not do that. I think you keep Brad Stevens, there's a level of continuity, but it's not the same continuity that you have if you promote Mike Zarin. And I do think that there's an element of change with Brad Stevens that this front office needed. There's a lot of cohesion to a fault within the Celtics front office over the last couple of years that I think has maybe been a problem. So I think that's a benefit of Brad Stevens over Mike Zarin. And also to that degree, I also think that the Celtics mindset maybe with Stevens as opposed to an external candidate, like I, I think it would have been worthwhile kicking the tires on a guy like Sam Presti. Kevin O'Connor reported that they pondered it. I don't know if that means they actually pursued it at all, but I think that would have been a wise thing to do. But with the importance of this offseason coming up and the amount of things that are kind of on the docket, I think there is an inherent, you know, advantageous element to keeping Brad in this fold and kind of letting him pick up where they left off. Like bringing in a new GM has so much, there's a lot of time that it takes to kind of get them into the fold. And I don't think this is the offseason where you need to spend half of it getting someone new into the fold. Like, I don't know if that's, that would have been the right move. Um, Wick said, I asked Danny not long ago, what's your top criteria for a successful head of basketball? And he said someone who can really relate well to the coach and understands the coaching demands. Mike Zarin, I mean, you know, is is a really smart guy, but like who better than, you know, than Brad Stevens to do that? I mean, Sam Presti, you know, is not uh, like a coach. Uh, You know, Mike Zarin is not a coach. I mean, you know, Masai Ujiri is not a coach. And I mean, obviously I think if Masai Ujiri was available, the Celtics probably would have pursued him, but like, I hope so. You know, regardless, like, I think there's also something to the idea that like Brad understands this team really well because he's coached them. He's been here. He, he, you know, he knows these players, he knows the system and he knows kind of like what the Celtics goals are. So, so I think that there's value to that for the front office and, and just to Brad, like, I think that the continuity is important. I mean, yeah, I get the continuity aspect. I think like being able to relate to the coach can be useful, but like clearly it's not a prerequisite to be a good GM as noted by the people that you listed that have no coaching experience and other execs that had no coaching experience that are doing just fine. So I don't think that that's like a make it or break it thing. I just, and like, look, nobody knows how Brad's going to fare as a GM because he has no experience in this type of personnel role. It could go great because he has deep knowledge of the Celtics organization, because he has experience working with these players and because he's familiar with everybody in the front office. It also, this decision could blow up in their faces tremendously as well. So I I do think that there is some inherent risk in handing everything over to Brad from the basketball operations side. And yes, he'll still have Mike Zarin, who was Danny's like trusted confidant and made several important decisions and 
Well, I'm sure he will continue to weigh in consistently, but it's just- We assume, but Brad did kind of say like that, that he was going to kind of look at maybe like the front office. Like he kind of suggested that it might not be full continuity straight overs. So it, it'll be fascinating to see how it works. And I think there there is a risk, even though it is Brad who, and I'm not diminishing Brad's accomplishments as a coach. I think Brad was a great coach over his eight years. He overachieved a lot and they had success in the playoffs. Of course he had his faults and if Sam Sheen were on this podcast, he would be quick to bring up their loss to the Miami Heat in the bubble and just thoroughly getting pantsed by Eric Spolstra. But like Brad was a good coach. I'm not taking away from like any of that. I like Brad as a person and clearly the Celtics front office respects Brad and rightfully so. I just still think this was a, a risky hire on their end and we'll see how it goes. Could be totally fine. And then here we are and Brad Stevens is the next Danny agent here for 18 years, but I'm fascinated to see how it pans out. There definitely is that inherent risk with it, but I also think that having to add in continuity with Stevens is helpful with this particular offseason. In this situation as well, I don't think there's many better people to run a coaching search than Brad Stevens. So I think that's a positive because you're not going to find many people with a better network of the coaching world than Brad Stevens. I think that is a really helpful thing moving forward. But I agree, there is that inherent risk in there. And I'm really curious to see what Brad does with the front office because like, I don't think Austin Age is going to be around. I would imagine he's probably going to leave as well. I'm not saying like he was only there because of his dad or whatever. I just, I could easily see him just like leaving and maybe going into another role elsewhere. And who knows what Zarin's role would be with Stevens running the show, but I don't know. I think there is inherent risk, but I think right now, granted, this is still pretty fresh news, but I think in my mind, there is a lot of positives because of the Celtics current situation that outweigh the risks at the moment. To me, like Danny Ainge is a big personality who commands a lot of attention sort of by his nature. And like, he's, he's really smart. But he loves, like, he's, he's a big schemer, and he really likes to, like, make big moves. When Danny Ainge kind of builds, like, a, an idea in his head, I, I feel like, you know, it's, let's put Paul Pierce, KG, and Ray Allen together, or, or you know, something along those lines. Or it's, let's, you know, get Kyrie Irving and AD on, on a team and see if Kevin Durant comes through, too. And so he has these big schemes, and he puts the pieces in place, and he sort of tries to let them, like, play out. Brad, I think, is different. Like, I think he's a process guy. You know, he sort of builds things incrementally. Sounds like he's doing it too slowly. That's not what I mean. He just, but he, he has like a process. He goes kind of like a step-by-step kind of guy. I mean, he's competitive, but like, you know, he, he's going to kind of like keep things moving in. I almost feel like he's more orderly than Danny Ainge is. I mean, it's like Kaizen, the growth. Exactly. Mindset. Yeah. He's growth like, mindset. Kaizen. Exactly. What the Celtics now have is a team with Danny Ainge, like hit the ball out. Like, obviously he swung and missed so hard at Kyrie Irving that he fell over and struck out, like missing so badly on Kyrie that he basically retired. Like, However, he did get Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And that is not nothing. Like he left the Celtics with like a 24-year-old all-star and a 23-year-old MVP. Those two guys are the hits. Like the Celtics don't really need a big swing. What might help the Celtics is if they just had like sort of an incremental plan to build around those guys. If they don't, maybe they don't need the big swing. Maybe they need the guy who's just going to be sort of like process you know, build the team that way. And that's to me, seems more like Brad Stevens than Danny Ainge. So to me, that's why I'm, I'm really intrigued by Brad in this role, especially given the team that has been built for him by Danny Ainge as a GM. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure when they are trying to address sort of the fringes of the roster and, and he's like, yeah, in this moment, I need a player that can do this. And that was not on this team this exactly. year. So exactly. 
I'm sure he will be able to offer some fresh perspective there. But it's funny um, in terms of what you described originally, like, yeah, Danny Ainge goes after these big moves. Prior to this whole swap, I totally wouldn't have been surprised if Danny traded whatever assets necessary for Bradley Beal. And now that Brad's in that role, I'm not expecting Bradley Beal to be on the Celtics next season at all. Like, which I don't know of those two paths, which is preferable, which would prove to be a more successful team. But I I do think you're right in that. I don't see Brad swinging for the fences here by going after Bradley Beal or like a, a big target of that nature in the near future. I'm curious. I I think that's a very legitimate concern, Nicole, but I also think that like, I I wonder if this kind of removes Brad from the situation of this is going to like, I don't mean this to sound the way it's going to sound. I wonder if this is an opportunity for Brad to not have to care about these guys that he's cared about, you know, a lot. Like in terms of how he distributes his minutes. Yeah, like exactly. Like, he doesn't have to care that Tristan Thompson is, I mean, he can care that Tristan Thompson is on the full mid-level, but like only in the, in the fact that he needs to get that guy out of here. <laughs> right. Like I can assure you of one thing is Tristan Thompson will not be on this team next year. <laughs> I don't think Tristan Thompson is going to be around. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Brad likes him more than we think he does, but yeah. I, so I, Corrales asked Brad about that very specifically. Like actually it was the first question Brad got as the new president of basketball operations. Can you trade these guys or can you make moves on these guys that you know? And Brad said, like, I've learned from being around Danny is you have a job to do. You have a responsibility. Um, You can also care about people. You can be there and do everything you can to help someone. And that's really important. And at the same time, I think I've got a good idea. One of the benefits of moving into this role is I have a good idea of what we do and what we don't do well, what can accentuate some of our best players. And there's a lot of work to do, a lot of work ahead. I, I think he could surprise some people with some changes that he makes, honestly, because I think he is removed from that coaching spot now. And he might find a little bit of relief in that. And this is purely speculative, of course, like we have no idea what Brad Stevens is going to be like as a front office executive because he's never been a front office executive. But one thing that I do expect to see, Danny Ainge loved his like young guns. Brad loves vets. I think that's going to be the most clear difference right off the bat. You're not going to have a bunch of young guys running around and Carson Edwards and company on the bench. You're going to get Brad probably going after to bring some seasoned vets into this rostered to surround Tatum and Brown just because if we've learned anything from Brad over the last few years it's that he likes having some seasoned players in there much more than Danny Ainge does Jeff Teague back Jeff Teague (laughs) back no I mean that's fair I, I do think it would be a hell of a move for Brad's like first season as a GM to trade Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart for Bradley Beal. Brad comes in and blows it up. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that people always underestimate about Brad is how competitive he is. Uh, I don't remember who was tweeting about it. Um, they were there like making fun of another podcast for like talking about how, how Brad like all oh, like he hates this team because all they play is ISO ball. And the thing is that like Brad loves his mismatches and Brad loves to like, like if Jason Tatum beats somebody who can't guard him, Brad loves to just point at Jason and go again, again, again. Like he is kind of ruthless. You know, we saw that in certain ways. I'm really interested to see how we will see that with him as a GM. Brad is quietly, I think, a ruthless competitor. And I think that's going to serve him really well in a GM role. I don't think he's going to come in and be the passive front office exec that a lot of people probably thought of when they first heard this move today. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, he's definitely not going to be passive. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be passive. I just can't see him shaking things up to the extent that I could see Danny Ainge doing that. 
when I think of Danny Ainge present day compared to Danny Ainge a couple years ago, like I don't know if Danny, I think in his mind, he would have loved to pull off a Bradley Beal trade this offseason. I'm not sure if we would have seen it get done. I think they've struggled to get some deals done in the last couple of years. And whether that be because of his reputation around the league, whether that be because he's now attached to some assets like within the organization, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I mean, I think that was kind of an interesting path to follow with Ainge. He's been left a very good situation. He has Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all of his future first round picks. He has all of his draft assets. Like Brad has been left, I think, a very cushy situation as a GM. So like if things don't turn out well, this might be harsh, but like I think he will, deserved or not, bear the blame. I agree with you that if, if, if there's, I mean, if this does go poorly or something, I mean, assuming that it doesn't go poorly because of either injuries or because like Jason Tatum isn't as good as we thought or something ridiculous like that. You know what I mean? Like if one of those things is the case, then maybe it isn't Brad's fault as much. But like, yes, I mean, if he, you know, goes out and trades Romeo Grant and Aaron Neesmith for a bunch of like 34 year olds, and then those guys go on to be like starters and the 34 year olds stink, then yeah, I mean, then it's, then maybe it is time to like have some questions. I don't know that, that I think will be a really fascinating thing in his first couple of years is does his mindset shift at all on young guys you know who are on cost controlled contracts for the next four years I mean that's let's not underestimate what that does you know for a GM like GMs have to look at the money too Danny had to like you know I'm sure Danny was looking at somebody like Romeo and thinking man if you can just contribute for like a couple of years we can have you for like you know four million as opposed to going out and signing PJ Tucker for like you know three years 36 or something like that like I'm sure that's part of Danny's calculus and I'll be curious to see how quickly you know brad either rejects that calculus or uh, accepts it as well soon brad will be like ah now i see why this was my <laughs> roster <laughs> lloyd pierce is just sitting there like i am so sick of you <laughs> i can't <laughs> 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 this I think this was also a pretty good PR move from the Celtics just to jump right into this less than essentially 12 hours after their season ended. They jump right into, all right, total makeover, total shakeup. Brad's no longer the coach. Danny's out. The disgusting 2020-21 season that all Celtics fans despised is suddenly in the review in the rearview mirror, like almost immediately. And no one is talking about that. Everyone is now talking about the new setup and who's going to be the head coach. And so from an organizational standpoint, I think that's pretty beneficial, even if it's just from a PR perspective. I mean, and it's interesting too, because it, it is such a shakeup. Like there's just so much reason to think, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Like, even people who don't like Brad Stevens would admit like, okay, he, he had some really good moments as a coach. You know, you move Brad, who again, cares very deeply about basketball and, and, you know, loves the game and spends a ton of time on it, move him into a front office role. And then you can go out and get a coach. Like, I think the coaching search is going to be really interesting. Like, I don't think the Celtics are going to hurry this one because they can wait until the end of the playoffs, yeah. see who's out there. They're the Celtics. They are still one of the most storied franchises in the NBA. I think Grenham cut a clip from Woj saying that there there is interest from coaches that are currently in the playoffs. I'd be fascinated to know who that is. I mean, I was going through some of the old transcriptions from earlier this season, like very early this season, Atlanta Hawks matchups, when Lloyd Pierce was still the coach. Brad, even going back to the year season before this season, like Brad speaks very glowingly of Lloyd Pierce. I know it's been reported that he's going to interview or he's a top candidate, but I really do think he's a legitimate candidate early on in this process. Like the candidate pool, like Woj said on SportsCenter, is going to expand as the playoffs kind of roll on here. But Brad really likes Lloyd Pierce. 
a lot. And I think he thinks very highly of him. He also has a good relationship with Jalen Brown and he coached Jalen, Marcus Smart, Kemba, and Jason Tatum at the FIBA World Cup. Like, I just think there's a lot of things playing in Lloyd Pierce's favor. And yeah, people see the crappy record he had in Atlanta, but I don't really think that was a very good situation. So I don't take that and pin him as a bad coach. But I don't know. I think you're going to hear his name quite a bit over the next month or so. It's interesting that you mentioned Lloyd Pierce. I mean, and, and it's interesting that there's coaches in the playoffs who would be interested because Nate McMillan is another guy who who Brad yeah. loves, like thinks so highly of, like to the point that he almost... Not quite, but almost like talked a little shit about Nate Bjorkren when like Nate got the job in Indiana because like Brad I remember like, that. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Nate's gonna do a perfectly fine job. Like <laughs> that vibe to him, and then he went on to just say like unending nice things about Nate McMillan. I mean, I assume Nate McMillan is happy in Atlanta. I mean, he's doing a great job. Like the Hawks are crushing things right now, and and obviously there's a lot of promise there. But like I don't know. I, I wonder if I wonder if Brad uh, like puts out a back channel. Uh, back channel call to, to Nate McMillan uh, when whenever the Hawks are eliminated. I mean, according to Bet Online, Jay Laranega is the favorite. I did I mean, see that. He almost got the Hornets job. He got two interviews alongside Borrego before they went with him. I don't know. I, I have a hard time seeing the Celtics higher within the organization. I think there will probably be some shakeup. I mean, if, if you're trying to shake up the, the front office to the point that you make Brad Stevens your president of basketball operations, I don't know that you're like, let's promote everyone from within the organization. Yeah, yeah that's not, I, I agree. Do you guys have opinions on any of like the former players like Chauncey Billups or Sam Cassell or Jason Kidd? Well, he one not hire Jason Kidd. Yeah, they definitely, I, I think we're all firm on that. Jason Kidd should not be a top candidate for the Celtics at all. I think Sam Cassell makes more sense to me than Chauncey Billups. Do you want to go and does Brad Stevens, a first-time GM, want to go with a first-time coach in Chauncey Billups or like a coach that early in his I, I think Sam Cassell brings an element of stability that Chauncey Billups doesn't have as much of. They would both be decent options, but I think Sam Cassell has done a really nice job as an assistant, and I think he would make a lot of sense here. I think the two guys, the two former players who I'm interested in are both actually college coaches, which obviously Brad was too. Like, I think Jerry Stackhouse is really interesting um, if, if that was on, on the table. And then I think the other guy who like everybody mentions is Jawan Howard. I don't really know anything about Jawan Howard. Juwan Howard has the NBA ties, at least. So yeah. that's a benefit. Like, you don't have that with Jerry Stackhouse. And frankly, I think he's done a shitty job the first couple of years at Vanderbilt. I, I think he's a good coach who understands the pro game, and eventually he'll end up at this level. I just don't think he's ready yet. He'll get an endorsement from Aaron Neesmith, noted valuable voice in the Celtics coaching search. I have to think that the first thing that Wick Grosbeck and Steve Pagliuca are going to do are going to be like, Aaron Neesmith, Peyton Pritchard, two different phones. Guys, I need your thoughts. <laughs> the Celtics will call Dana Altman immediately. <laughs> Before we let go, I mean, what stood out to you guys from, from the press conference, from what people were saying? Like, is there anything that, uh, that, that really jumped out just from the, the quotes that we had from, from these guys? I guess it doesn't sound like Danny is going to pursue another job. I think there were some reports that he might go to Utah. From what he's letting on, maybe he does one day plan to come back, but it doesn't sound like in the immediate future that he'll be moving on, which is good for the organization and Brad Stevens, because I assume that means he'll be around and he'll be active in conversations and assisting Brad and sort of helping the ease the transition here. So I think in my mind, I give it three-ish years and I think he's going to be a consultant I don't think he's going to be a GM ever again. I don't think he's going to be a president of basketball. Like he's not going to go into a bigger role. I agree. He made it very clear. Like he needs to take a step back and whether it be his health, 
or he wants to spend more time with his family. There's a variety of reasons why he doesn't want to take on that big of a role, but I could see him going into a consulting role for a team at some point down the line. I just, I have trouble seeing Danny Ainge staying that far removed from basketball for an extended period of time. The other thing that I took away was that Wake Grosbeck sounded pretty excited about Brad Stevens stepping in. I know he's not going to come out and sound like depressed, like Brad was our last option. And this is like, obviously he's going to sound excited, but I don't know. I, I took some of his quotes. Like he said, he, him and Brad committed to each other that they were going to win banner 18 or die trying. And I was like, Oh, I thought some of his quotes around Brad Stevens were interesting. It sounds like he was very much on board from the start. And maybe that's because he doesn't have to go out and pay an external GM candidate. <laughs> But I, it sounded like he was pretty enthusiastic about Steven stepping up. I, I will say about that quote, that sounds to me like the bravado of a billionaire who's like, we sat down and we said, we both said it. We both said we're going to win a title or die trying. And I was like, I don't think Brad said that, man. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I cannot. That's very true. <laughs> also, Wick Grosbeck has now had this conversation with like several people, one of which was Kyrie Irving. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think Wick really likes the aesthetic of win Banner 18 or die trying. <laughs> Be careful, Wick. It's, it's saying that a lot. <laughs> we will leave it there. If you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, um, feel free to get in touch with us, and we will talk to you all again soon. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.